And Jesus, he deepens that contrast between himself and the religious rulers. He calls them hirelings. He says, they don't own the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. When danger was upon them, they would flee. Hey, if it was your life versus the shepherd's life, the hireling, the sheep always died. But in contrast, Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who owns the sheep, he willingly gave his life for the sheep. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, today looking at John chapter 10, as we've already sung, talking about the Lord as the shepherd, the good shepherd, titled this Abundant Life. And here in John chapter 10, we have two of the seven I am statements of Jesus. We'll have both of them in the opening verses of this chapter, where number three, Jesus declares, I am the door. And number four, Jesus will declare, I am the good shepherd. We also find that one of the great teachings about the followers of Jesus being lambs. And although teaching about Shepherds and lambs is not too familiar. We're coming from an industrial society, not too many farmers in our congregation, if any. But it was a topic that was very familiar to the Jews. It would have been both in either the Old or the New Testament, but especially during the time that Jesus lived and first spoke these words, talking to people who lived in pastoral and agrarian societies, meaning they took care of animals and they raised crops. And that pretty much helped feed the society itself. So this would have been a very familiar topic to the children of Israel, that of shepherds and their sheep. And so we're going to learn about shepherds and their sheep today from Jesus in this famous passage from John chapter 10. John 10, it's the great I am teaching. It's the good shepherd. And next week we'll continue in that theme, although we'll discover in verse 22 that some time will pass. And we're getting closer to Jesus being crucified on the cross. We have been for the last few chapters counting down the last six months of the Lord. We get to verse 22. it, It will tell us it's in the winter months there in Israel. And so as we know, winter and then comes spring and spring would be when Jesus would be crucified as we go through the 
gospel, we discover that we're getting into those closing months as Jesus is ministering to the people. And here he teaches about two of the great I am statements. He declares, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And today we're going to learn about this abundant life that Jesus has promised us. And again, John 10, and we find John 10, 10, that great passage that says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And these are just in the church. These are verses, quite often chapters that are known by us. Sometimes we know some of the verses out of the chapter without realizing the context from which it came. And I want us to see that today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. I titled this Abundant Life, and we will see the shepherd in verses 1 through 6, the door in verses 7 through 10, the good shepherd, verses 11 through 16, and the power in verses 17 through 21. But we also find the good shepherd in verses 11 through 16. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. He does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice and they will be one flock and one shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So number four, the fourth I am statement of Jesus I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Another verse that we just, we kind of know that verse. We may not always remember the address, John 10, 11, but we know the verse. Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, there are many dangers that surrounds shepherds, especially there in Israel. There were thieves, uh, there were wild animals of that day. David would speak about a lion and a bear. But David would tell King Saul at the time when he was a teenager before he faced Goliath. He talked about in 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35 of lions and bears. If you go to Israel, you're not going to have to worry about lions and bears. In Jesus' day, there were still some very wild animals, predators, lions, and bears that David spoke about. 1 Samuel 17, 34 and 35, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear took a lamb out of the flock, I, I struck it. I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. David. Can you imagine that, having a lion or a bear? I'm assuming the lion had the beard. Maybe a bear. I don't know if they got too much of a beard to grab by, but a lion definitely. Can you imagine having a beast like that coming after you and you grab it by the hair of its chin? That's a good shepherd to follow. The thieves, 
the wild animals, they would like nothing better than lamb chops for dinner at night. And Jesus, he deepens that contrast between himself and the religious rulers. He calls them hirelings. He says, they don't own the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. When danger was upon them, they would flee. Hey, if it was your life versus the shepherd's life, the hireling, the sheep always died. But in contrast, Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who owns the sheep, he willingly gave his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. That's a title that's given to Jesus there in Hebrews 13, 20. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, meaning that Jesus offered his life on the cross for us. May he make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the flock itself, Jesus said, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. The good shepherd not only owns the sheep by right of redemption, he gave his life for the sheep, but he also, he knows the sheep. He laid down his life for the sheep. He gathers his sheep to him, both the Jews and Gentiles. And that's what he was speaking about there in verse 16, that there's other sheep of a different fold. The Gentiles, Jesus talking to a Jewish audience here at this time, but he's talking about those who are not Jewish, like me, following Jesus as the good shepherd, that they come together as one flock. Peter, writing in 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd an overseer of your souls. You know, there are a lot of uh, sheep going astray today. We think about the church and the decline of what's happening in our churches across the United States. I think there are a lot of things at play. Uh, one, that young adults are getting married much later than they used to. Lily and I were married when we were 18 years old. There's not a whole lot of 18-year-olds uh, getting married today. I don't know if I've ever, maybe once, did a couple that was really young. And to see them and think, man, you're really young getting married. I, I know I looked like I was 15 when I got married, but you don't see that happening today. A lot of kids are getting married much later in, in their life. But also they're having less children. I think the statistic here in the United States is like 1.6 children per household. So there are a lot less children being birthed today, a lot later. But I think what's playing into the lot later also is playing into our church today. So they don't get married as soon as they used to, let's say back 40 years ago or 50 or 60 years ago. And so there's a wandering away from the church during that time. By the time they do get married, 
The only reason they might go to the church is to have the preacher marry them, but then we don't see them after that. They've already departed from the church. By the time they start having children, many of the young couples don't see any need of bringing their children to church, raising them in the church to know the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd, he not only gave his life for the sheep, but he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The good shepherd, Jesus, not only gave his life for us, he loves us, he cares for us, and he gives us eternal life. I know we have younger kids in the sanctuary today, teenagers, young adults. Don't stray away from Jesus. Stay close to him all the days of your life. It's something that I'm so glad that I have done. I may not have always uh, followed the Lord as closely as I have ought to, but one thing that I think that has been a blessing for me is that I've never departed from the fellowship. Maybe not always Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. It wasn't. In fact, this is probably the longest stay that I've ever had at any church in my life. It's good because I'm the pastor. I'm glad I'm hanging around. But my dad, I was raised in a church in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois, but my dad became a pastor. So at the age of 12, we went to the church that he pastored. So I spent at least 11, 12 years in the harbor. And then where dad went, the kids went. And I was with my dad for another 12 and a half years while he pastored that church. And when he left that church, Lily and I at that time then, we ended up in Libertyville for several years. Then we ended up in Zion. We ended up out in California and we came back here. And I began fellowshipping here in 1994. It wasn't totally consistent because I was trying to get a Calvary Chapel started on the east side of our county. And so I spent some time doing that away from Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. But this week is the 19-year anniversary. It was in July, and I think it was July 12th, 1999, that I was ordained as the pastor of this fellowship. And so I can say, yeah, I've been around here longer than any other. I can say that about our home as well. Lily and I, living where we live now, and even as a child, I lived at our house longer than any other home. Might be time to move. <laughs> not the church, but the home. I'm not ready to go here. But one of the things that I'm so glad that I never drifted away. You know, there was a, a church motto of old, to know Christ and make him known. That is the purpose of believers in Jesus Christ, to know him and to make him known. And God took David from watching over his father's sheep to make him a, a shepherd over the children of Israel. And may I ask, who do you have watching over your lives? Is it the good shepherd or do you have a hireling watching over your life today? And finally, verses 17 through 21, the power. So we have seen the shepherd, the door, the good shepherd, and now the power. Verse 17, we read, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life 
that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon, and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, These are not words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? Now that final statement there in verse 21, can a demon open the eyes of a blind? It ties us back to John chapter 9. And so we find that John chapter 10, the first 21 verses, follows pretty closely after the events of John chapter 9 and Jesus healing the man, giving sight to a man who had been born blind. But here we find toward the end of Jesus's ministry, he began teaching about his purpose, his death upon the cross. And here we find that Jesus five times talks about laying down his life. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 11, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life. Verse 17, I lay it down and I have the power to lay it down. Verse 18. Five times he speaks about his forthcoming death, and we're only a few months away at this point in the text. From the very beginning, Jesus offering his life as a sacrifice for our sins was part of the Father's plan. We learned this in Vacation Bible School. In our classroom, we talked about the very first gospel. It comes from Genesis 3.15, where God prophesied in the cursing of Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. The your seed, the seed of Satan and her seed, uh, prophecy concerning Jesus Christ and the cross. In Hebrews 2 9, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. It's important for us to realize that Jesus was not an unwilling sacrifice. He said, I had the power to lay down my life, and I had the power to take it up again. He was no unwilling sacrifice, but he willingly gave his life for you and me. Titus 2, 13 and 14, we look to the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He purifies us for a purpose that we're to be zealous for good works, that we're to be fired up about the saving faith that the Lord has given us. And this command Jesus received from his father that we might be set free. Jesus said in John 6, 38 through 40, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me and the will of the father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise them up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. 
that everyone who believes in Jesus will have everlasting life. But it's not just living on into eternity with the Lord, but it's having life more abundantly. But we find that there was division in Jesus' day. And we find to this day that there is division concerning Jesus. As Jesus taught these things, the Bible tells us that there was division. Many of the people said that Jesus was, he had a demon in him, that he was crazy, that he was mad. And they challenged the other people, why are you listening to him? And today, we find people who challenge us. Why do you even bother going to church? That's a dead religion. Religion isn't real. Don't you know that God didn't create us? We've evolved from lower forms to higher forms. And we're still in the process of this evolution. There is still division among them today. John 3, 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. There was division. Some saw Jesus and the things that he did, and they said there's no way that he has a demon. There's no way that he's mad. We find in chapter 9 that there was a variety of opinions concerning Jesus. In chapter 9, he was called rabbi. He was twice called a sinner. He was called a prophet, the son of God, and the Lord. And to this day, there continues to be a variety of opinions concerning Jesus. But the Bible gives us a clear portrayal of the nature and the work of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus challenged his own disciples in Matthew 16, 13 through 16. He said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And so they answered, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If I can leave you with anything here today, it's this challenge, this question. Not so much what the world says about Jesus, but who do you say? What do you say about Jesus? Is Jesus the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep there on the cross and, and took it up again, having the power? that many might be saved through him? Or is he a hireling, another false religion that we don't need to follow? Don't worry about what the world is saying, but each one of us has to make that decision. We have to make that determination for ourselves. What do we believe about Jesus? Jesus, I believe, is the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, that through him we might have abundant life life more abundantly. As I said earlier, probably not going to live to be 120 years old. I'm just assuming I'm not. But looking back over my life, I'm so grateful for the life that the Lord has given me up to this point. Nor do I feel that my race is finished. I think I'm probably beyond the halfway point, maybe a bit beyond that halfway point. I still want to finish well. I pray that you desire to finish well as well. The race begins 
by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. But that's only the beginning of the race. From that day forward, we have to continue to run, to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it teaches us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the door and that through faith in you, your death, burial, and resurrection, we can have life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd who watches over your flock, your church, both Jew and Gentile. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us now. Could be, Lord, in this congregation, that there are those who have never given their heart to you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. If that's the case today, Lord, I pray that they would surrender to you this day. Could be, Lord, that there are those who, Lord, they know you as Savior, but they've been running from the call that you have placed upon their heart. Perhaps today, Lord, you are calling them to follow you more completely, that they might gain that life more abundantly. It's our prayer this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.